Hello and welcome back to the Trick Play Podcast on Fresh Take Network. I'm Simon Chiskovsky here with Caleb Peterson and shortly we will be breaking down all the sports related news, rumors, and drama that you will want to hear about. This week we've got a pretty stacked lineup to say the least. We've got uh, obviously the Blazers decided to finally, finally free Damian Lillard, sending him to the Bucks and making one of the stupidest teams I think I've seen in a while. That is scary. Then we'll probably talk about, maybe, maybe we'll talk about Jimmy Butler turning emo. Because that's pretty funny. We'll see if we have time. Then we'll probably move into the NHL and talk about Connor Bedard. Because who doesn't want to talk about Connor Bedard? It's not nobody talks about him. Dazzling in the preseason, like nobody expected him to, because he's not good at hockey. Then we might talk about uh, the NHL's best lines going into the next season. Then we'll move into the MLB and talk a little bit about everything going on over there. Obviously, we've got the playoffs going on. We've got. Wally Gator getting denied going to the Phillies, which has nothing to do with the playoffs, but is absolutely hilarious. And we've got the the uh, Mariners sucking. So we've got it all, frankly, this episode. This is a very stacked episode. And the Blue Jays suck, too, as of right now. They're currently losing to the Twins. It's like the sixth inning. I'll throw in that after saying that the Mariners suck. Anyway, <laughs> Caleb. It has to go both ways. Caleb, are you ready to get into it? I am. So to start off the episode, I think it's pretty clear what topic we got to talk about right off the bat. We're going to be starting in the NBA with the Damian Lillard Bucks trade, which it felt like this has been months in the making. Obviously, it wasn't to the Miami Heat like a lot of us thought would or potentially wouldn't, depending on which side of that fence you were on. But I think uh, I think all parties win here. I think that's a pretty safe bet. I think everybody kind of got what they wanted. Dame's moving to a... A new team, even though it is not in the sunny state of uh, Florida. And uh, he's still... He's joining a team that's going to be insanely stacked. Arguably better than the Miami Heat would have been with him. In my opinion. I think that uh, I think that this is going to make a lot of teams a lot better. And I think it's... Ex- and I mean, the Blazers get a very good... Very good young-ish player in Aiton. Who could still potentially develop under a new system. So... I think there's a lot there's a lot to talk about with this one. There's a lot to break down. I'm curious what you think in general on this trade and who you think won and uh yeah, we can get right into it. What do you think? Just looking at um, overview. I'm thinking okay, a couple things. I think A, I understand why Jimmy Butler is emo now, because after yeah. months and months of hearing that Dame was gonna go to the Heat and that I think that was probably their main hope of getting back to a championship after um, after last year where they went all the way and couldn't uh, quite finish the job. Um, getting a guy like Dame to really put them over the edge, I think, was their one hope, and that's kind of fallen out the wayside. Um, but for the Bucks, like this, for me, like it it was months in the making that he would be traded somewhere, but I did not anticipate Milwaukee, and I think it's really fitting in terms of two players that have really never had. Um, like a superstar co-partner you're looking at Giannis who has played with some really good players but obviously nobody on the level of uh, Dame Lillard and then obviously like even more so for Lillard because that was his whole thing in Portland where he um, was kind of running the show by himself and didn't get a whole lot of support so I think it'll it'll be interesting to see how that works out but what I do want to say in terms of um, who won this trade I do think that the Bucks are giving up quite a bit. So they're obviously giving up um, a first-rounder. Then they also give up two first-round pick swaps. Um, 
So that is quite a bit anyways. And they're also giving up Drew Holiday, which I think is quite an underrated part of that Bucks squad, especially for what he brings to the team on defense. And looking at a guy like Dame, like it's it's pretty night and day. You're looking at Dame as someone who can produce a lot on offense, um, rack up points, but is a little bit more of a defensive liability when you're as when you're looking at someone like Drew Holiday, maybe not producing as much on offense, but is locked down on defense. Um, it's really a trade-off and one that I think will be interesting to see how it actually plays out on the court. Um, but it is a lot to give up. I do think the Blazers, especially when you're getting um, when you're getting players of the caliber of Drew Holiday, of also DeAndre Aiden, and multiple potential first-rounders, um, that's a huge haul for a player that has been openly speaking out um, and saying that he doesn't want to play there. I think it's a, a great move for Milwaukee, um, but I do think the Blazers ultimately won this trade. It's it's always hard to judge when it's this one player for a huge package of picks or assets kind of thing. Um, maybe if the Bucks win a championship, maybe we don't have this conversation at all, but I do think this is a great move for the Blazers to get value for their superstar um, when it was pretty clear that he didn't want to play there anymore. Yeah, and I actually I agree with you quite a bit. I agree with a lot of things you said. I think uh, I think something that a lot of people aren't talking about, just looking at it on paper, and you did mention this, Drew Holiday is a much better defender than Damian Lillard. That's a very good point, and I think it's a very important point. I think another thing that we need to bring up, though, is the fact that they also gave up Grayson Allen, who is another player who is a very, very important part of that defensive game that they had in the backcourt, <coughs> which has been fairly important in their success that they've had in the Giannis era in my in Milwaukee. They have done a very, very good job locking down those guards that they've had to go up against. And I think that's been a big reason they've been able to win in the past. And I, I'm it's gonna be very interesting to see how they do without it, I guess. Because I think when I think of Milwaukee, I, one of the things that immediately sticks out to me, other than just Giannis, is I think defense. They have a lot. They have in the past have had a lot of very, very good defenders. Whether that's on the bench, whether that's on their in their starting lineup, they're just traditionally a very good defensive team. And it looks like, especially with this move, they're really starting to hammer down their ability to score, which is not necessarily something they struggled with in the past. But it's this is just going to help continue increase to build that, obviously. I think we're going to see a very different Milwaukee team this year. I think it's going to be very different to what we've seen in the past. I, I don't truly know if it's going to work. I think uh, if you were to put a gun to my head and ask me what I think, I think I'd definitely put land more on the side of that it will be successful because you put Dame on a team with Giannis, Middleton, Brooke Lopez, that's a ridiculous team. That team's going to be able to score. There's still plenty of good defenders on that. I think it'll work. We'll see what happens, though. I think losing Drew Holiday, losing Grayson Allen, losing those picks is going to suck for them. I, You said that you thought the Blazers were going to win, right? Or won this trade? Yeah. Yeah. I think just long-term. Long-term, yes. Long-term, yes. Absolutely. Because Dame is obviously getting up in, up in the in age. I'm not sure exactly how old he is. I'm going to quickly look that yeah. up. I um, I do think it I do think it is a pretty like equal opportunity winning kind of situation here, um, because if the Bucks win a championship, then none of this matters. It's like the kind of thing. As much as I hate to admit it, uh, but to compare it to like the Rams in um, like yeah. a couple of years ago, 
where they just said, like, fuck them picks, right, was their whole philosophy, and they deal everything for these big-name players. Um, and it worked, and they won a championship, and we saw the effect of it, and they kind of fell off a cliff. But if you win a, cha- a championship, or in this case, I think they're probably set up to potentially win more than one, depending on how long this team can stay together, um, then it makes it all worth it. But I do think that it's a pretty even-win scenario when you're looking at both teams, um, because the Blazers got a lot, again, and I think it really has to be emphasized that the Blazers did not have a lot of leverage with how much, because you said it's been building up for months, people have known that he does not want to play for this team. Um, so the fact that they got as much as they did, I think, is um, a testament to how well this trade was built for the Blazers. Yeah, and again, I agree with you. I think that... Uh... If I were to give this win to anybody, I still would give it to the Bucks, Just because I think they... I thought they'd have to give a lot more, to be honest with you. I, Despite thinking that... Uh, I remember the original asking price for Damian Lillard, I believe, was three first-round picks. And you'd have to correct me on that. It's been a month or two, but I believe that's correct. Three first-round picks and a couple players. Getting Dame for two first-round picks, or picks, one of which is a pick swap, giving two up Drew Holland. Are they both? I'm reading that one it's is unprotected. One, one, one is a first. One is a first rounder, and the the other thing is too. That oh, has to be, I see. Like, a, to, yeah. With these picks, you have. It is important to realize that these picks. I didn't. I don't think I realized this on a first look at it. But these picks are in 2028, 2029. Yeah. No, they're they're a long time away. So as they well. push them out. And um, that we're, we see that the, we're seeing that a lot more in trades these days in the NBA, where teams really, if they're going to trade picks, they're going to be trading picks from a long time away. They're like, that's someone else's that's, problem. I'll be fired that's, by that's them. crazy. Yeah, that that's <laughs> that's the kind of thing that I I don't even know like. I, I don't even realize like if you can do that. I mean, if you're making a trade in Madden, sure. it only goes up to two years. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, like, and I think there's a reason for that because it is almost a little bit of a. Cause They're doing what, what, what I used to true. do in, like, what in, what I used to do in, like, NHL 15, where I'd just, like, trade, like, my 2020 picks for, like, McDavid or something and then just not worry about it. It was great. But, uh. Yeah. Like, we're seeing that now slowly develop in the NBA. Or maybe it hasn't slowly developed. Maybe it's just something that we're no, starting to more keen into now. But I think, uh,. It's it's really interesting that, that that teams are just okay with that. They're just like, yeah, sure, let's screw the future. Why not? Yeah. And uh, maybe it's the fact that uh, the Bucks just are so invested in this year and want to win another championship with Giannis and want to keep him, obviously. Because uh, there's been a lot of talks before this trade going <coughs> down about whether Giannis necessarily wants to stick around in Milwaukee. And uh, that's right. definitely, and I think this trade well, a- is Well, after, be... after this, after this. After this, now... I think that conversation is going to go away for a while. But I think that's going to be something that uh, keeps on coming up. And I wonder if this is a sign of what the Bucks, uh Giannis <laughs> strategy with Giannis is. is oh, Giannis kind of wants to go play in LA. Quick, 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 quick. Grab a good point guard. Grab a good point guard. <laughs> like, grab someone good. Like, maybe that's like uh, what they're, maybe that's what, the, the game plan. Just every time that Giannis thinks about leaving, no. <laughs> and 
And it's not bad. I mean, I mean it's a most good teams do that. Most teams who want to keep their star players bring in stars. Hey, they, look at they the are... Lakers. Oh, you miss Shaq? Meet Pogasol, Kobe. Like, it's that type of thing, right? Like, uh, generally, whenever a player thinks about leaving, a strategy can definitely, that's very common in the past, is to try and bring in somebody that makes them want to stick around. And obviously, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But, I mean, yeah. Dame's only sticking around for two years on that new contract. So, we'll see. It's, yeah, it, it's the kind of thing they are, like, with those picks going out this far, you can tell they're building around um, the prime of Giannis. Like, that, that is their goal. And I think that is a very, like, honorable goal. Um, I think it's what you should be doing in terms of team building. Because Giannis is a once-in-a-generation kind of player um, from everything that we've seen of him. Um, they've already won a championship with him. And they're just doing their best to maximize whatever they can to get more. And I think that is a smart move. In fact, looking at understanding now that these picks are so far out in the future, I'd like the trade even better for the Bucks because it means they're not mortgaging their future directly and they can continue to go into obviously like a little bit less valuable in the NBA especially with where they're going to be picking at the end of the first round but still potentially adding some valuable players valuable youth in the draft um but do we really know how good the Bucks are going to be in 2029 we could have just seen the the first overall pick traded yeah that's true and maybe the Blazers, that's why it's also good for the Blazers, because if you stack up enough of these draft picks in the future that GMs are willing to trade away, then you end up... Then we saw that with the Thunder. Became, yeah, I was going to say, you, be, you become the second iteration of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Which I think where, people aren't talking about enough, where the o- Oklahoma, obviously, they're already looking like a very strong team going into this they're season. They're going to be a dynasty. They're going to be a yeah. dynasty. If, yeah. Oh, if, yeah. Because like, they've got... How many picks have they got picks. in the next, like, 10 drafts? That's... I know... I Obviously, oh, the man. number gets brought up every once in a while. I don't remember it off the top of my head. But the... <coughs> people don't talk about that enough, where maybe that's the strategy now, where... They, they don't got to worry about anything now. They've got it all figured out. You could bring in me to be the general manager. I don't know crap oh about anything. God. And I oh could win. <laughs> exactly. Okay, like, do you hey, want the full... I don't know. That... Can I just say this first? I know nothing about drafting. I know nothing about scouting. You give me 10 first-round picks, I'm going to hit a diamond in the rough. Like... <laughs> yeah, okay. It's insane. It's insane. So... These are the the picks they have. 2024, next year, they have three first-round picks. One of them that's not protected, one of them that's protected 1 to 4, the other one protected 1 to 10. Next year, 2025, another three. um, I think protected 1 to 10, 1 to 14, and 1 to 6. Then 2026, another three. um, 1 to 4, and then both no protections. Uh, 2027, they have two. And then 2029, that 2028 is just one. 2029, they have another two. It's wild when I'm surprised that they only have two in 2028. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, it's, it's wild when having two first-round picks is considered low for a team. Like, people need to accept that it's Oklahoma City's world and we're just going to be living in it for the next five years. If they somehow mess all of that up, though, like, I, I know if oh, you yeah. have 10 first-round picks, you're going to 
like you said, you can basically like throw the dart at whoever and you're going to get it. But if they somehow mess that up... Not even throw the or... dart at whoever. Literally, you know how there's... Just just throw like 30 numbers in each corner of the dartboard. Just toss a dart. Oh, landed on 28. Let's draft the 28th ranked player. Do that 10 times. You'll still find a diamond. It don't matter. <laughs> yeah. The word, the, and you know what's the funny thing about the entire thing? In You can't even keep that many players on your roster. At a certain point, they're going to have to start throwing away these first-round picks <laughs> because they yeah. want to keep someone else, which is wild. It's wild. Even just, like, trade capital. People are going to want that stuff when they're good, right? Like, they have so much potential that you would have to be literally the worst general manager to ever live. Like, Brad Trilliving couldn't... Okay, he wasn't that bad. But Brad Trilliving couldn't <laughs> mess this up. Like, it's... Yeah, I mean... I don't care if and you they draft already, 10 they already have such good 10 Luchiches. 10 Luchiches. One of those Luchiches is going to end up being Michael Stone. Just saying. <laughs> I mean, true. like, when you, when you look at the Thunder, like, they already have most of their roster filled out. They have... Um, they have Shy... They have Chet Holmgren, who didn't play a lot. I mean, we're assuming he's going to be pretty good. And Josh Giddy, who's proven to be, like, really good. That's already a very good, like, top three, what you're looking at. And then you've got basically ten shots in the next, like, three years to figure it all out. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how we got to OKC after talking about the the dame lillard i have no clue either welcome to the (laughs) podcast ladies and gentlemen but yeah that's uh how do we get here oh right the blazers becoming the second part of oklahoma yeah there you go we figured it out we're good (laughs) all right so both me and caleb we do not necessarily have the most baseball knowledge just gonna open up with that immediately we're gonna get that out of the way but that doesn't mean that we are not absolutely correct about everything and that we are incredible baseball analysts, which is why we are going to attempt to predict who is going to win every single series in baseball in this playoff in these playoffs, and probably get all of them wrong. Caleb tried to do a bit of research. I went with my gut. I don't know what else you'd expect. This is going to be great. I well, I am so excited. I don't know how much my research is going to help me. Like, no, Caleb so is now an official baseball season. aficionado, okay. and he knows everything. Put I mean, whoever he says is going to win the World Series, put the mortgage, put the retirement fund, yeah. put it all. Don't do not do that. But, you know. What I, what I lack in, na- in baseball <laughs> knowledge, I make up for in luck. You know you know that, uh, Je- what's his name, Jeff Passan guy? He I saw his predictions for... Um, the MLB playoffs. He's like the biggest baseball guy. I've seen him do like those MLB grids. Bro is pulling backups from like 2007, and he's already 0 and 1 in these series. And I, so I can say that I officially have a better record than him and so just to far because be he just picked to, a race to go to the ALCS. So, and just to be clear, we are predicting these. Today is October 4th. It is Wednesday. This is probably coming out on Saturday. Which means we are filming this very much in advance, because uh, if you are American, you wouldn't know this, but it is Canadian Thanksgiving, and Simon no want to edit it during Thanksgiving. So, he won't be editing during Thanksgiving, which is why we're doing this way in advance. Also, I don't know. Let's get into it. No more dilly-daddling. Okay, first one, which is literally happening right now. 
Twins and Blue Jays. As of right now, it is the eighth inning. The Blue Jays are getting destroyed 2 nothing. Caleb, who do you have and why? <laughs> Blue Jays? No, I'm kidding. The Twins are going to sweep just because uh, they're literally one inning away from doing that very thing. I don't think I need to explain Watch that us much. both be wrong. Watch us both be wrong when we're Simon, not even the, done the, the segment. I know the delusional Blue Jays fan. No, no, no. No, 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 no. I'm saying Twins. I'm saying Twins. I'm just saying. Imagine to start off this. The Blue Jays come back, win the series. And me and you start off the episode. Or start off in the first three like minutes. We don't, we don't even wrong. finish the segment. We don't even finish yeah, we, the segment. <laughs> exactly. It'd be so legendary. Like we don't even okay. stop recording. Automatically, we can move on. Caleb, who do you think is going to win the Rangers-Tampa Bay thing? Just kidding. That already happened. It was the Rangers. Okay, te- Texas Sorry to spoil it. on. Do you, okay, we'll, we'll finish the wildcard series before we move on to that. So to be clear, that means that the divisional rounds would be the Minnesota Twins taking on the Astros, the Rangers taking on the Orioles, at least on yeah. the uh, American League side. Moving over to the National League, we would, we, the first one we can start off with is the Arizona Diamondbacks taking on the Brewers. Who do you have and why? Just to be, and just okay. to be clear, as of right now, Arizona is up one nothing. In their lead. And actually, that game, I think, is also just starting. So, the second. Yeah, I I am going to go with the team that has the 1-0 lead. In series like this, where you're looking at... Um, you're, you're looking at a uh, three-game series. And when you have a 1-0 lead, you've already pushed the other team to the brink of elimination. So, Milwaukee's going to have to win two games in a row to push this series. Um, I don't think they will. I, from what I know about Milwaukee, I don't think they're that good of a team to be able to come back from that. Um, I have them winning one game, so that means they take the one today, and then they fall in game three. I have Arizona winning two one. Also, going to give out give a shout out to my guy Paul Seawald. If I know anything about baseball, um, I know my guy. I know my Mariners. I know my guy Paul Seawald, who's now balling out on the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, probably one of the better closers in the league um and he closed out the game last night he is like com- completely balled out first in seattle and may have been the reason we didn't make the playoffs the fact that we traded him away um so i have confidence in the diamondbacks to close out this series and move on to the nlds yep uh that's totally fair i needed to throw an upset in here I, at least in the wild card, my upset is going to be, and the funny thing is, as ranking-wise, like overall, like uh, whatever you want to call it, the standing-wise, it's technically not a, it's not really a, you know, it should be a shock. I do have the Brewers. I, I have them making a comeback, meaning they win tonight, and they win whenever the next game is, probably tomorrow. But it would be certainly surprising. Is it impossible? Absolutely not. We, like you said, coming back in a series like this can be very, very tough for teams to do, especially considering they're already on the brink of elimination. But it is possible. I think in this case, if I I needed to throw one in there, I'm going to say the Brewers. They're going to end up winning that one. We can move on. We've got the Marlins and the Phillies. Just to be clear, the Phillies currently lead one nothing in their series. Yeah. So who do you got and why? I have the Phillies sweeping. Um, I think okay. the Phillies. Me and you are on the, the same boat current, now. The Phillies currently have the best player in the playoffs right now. 
um, with Bryce Harper. Um, he's maybe a little bit past his prime, but um, they made it to the World Series last year, if I'm not mistaken. My memory holds right on that, right? Um, wow, we both know a lot about baseball, huh? They, they both, yeah. It's it's a struggle, but um, <laughs> when, you've got a, when you've got a good player like that and you've got the playoff experience from last year, I don't see them having any issues closing out this opening round. Yep, I, and I totally agree with you. I think that uh, I think they're just the better team. I don't think that the Marlins should be beating them in any way. There's nothing really that sticks out to the Marlins that really makes me, or about the Marlins that really makes me confident in the fact that they would be able to come back two times on, and win two games against. They could win one. I wouldn't be surprised if they potentially managed to pull out another game. I don't think. I'm not 100. I'm just saying that I think the Phillies will win. I think that the Phillies are the better team. I think they're going to pull. Which, to be clear, with that in mind, that makes the divisional on the NL side to be the, at least on my side. Because why did I go through it last time when uh, we have different answers? Whatever. For me, that it would be Brewers, Dodgers, and Phillies, Braves. For you, it would be Diamondbacks, Dodgers, Phillies, Braves. And Phillies, Braves. Yeah. So we can go right into the divisional round now. We have Twins and Astros for me. And you, I think. Yep, also yep. for me. Twins and Astros. Our, our yeah. AL side is the same. Yeah. Um, okay, so I have, in this series, I have it going to five, so I have it going the distance. Um, and I have my first big upset of the bracket. I have the Twins taking this one wow. in five. Now, is that my Mariners fan bias talking? Perhaps. Is that my inner Astros hater talking? Perhaps. Um, the Astros have a good team, but like the fact that they're seeded at two, I think, makes them look better than they actually were this season. Um, they're a 90-win team, so like um, the, the bar between them and actually missing the playoffs is not that, like, yeah, sure, they're the two seed, but they're not, like what you generally expect out of a normal two seed in terms of just dominating the rest of the competition to earn that buy. They didn't earn that buy. They were still, they hadn't clinched a playoff spot until less than a week ago. Um, it could have been Seattle in that spot. It could have been Texas in that spot. Um, but I think seeding them that high makes them look a little bit better than they are. They've definitely had a down season in comparison to how good they've been the last little bit. Um, and I think this is the year where it starts to go downhill a little bit for them. I have them, they're, they're still going to put up some big numbers. They're still going to win games, um, which is why I have them winning too. Um, but I think especially with how Minnesota has come out and played against a good Blue Jays team, um, I can see them taking this one. Yeah, and truthfully, I don't have a lot of issue with that. I think that the Twins definitely could beat the Astros. I do have the Astros winning it. I, with that in mind, I will say that. I think it'll be close. I agree with you on five games. I think that's pretty fair. I think it'll be a very close series. And in close in, in series that are going to be really close, I generally just feel more confident giving it to the team with more playoff experience. Just to be able to pull it out at the end in that game seven, or game five, I guess. I, I don't know. I feel more confident saying the Astros. So I'm going Astros. So this will be... Me and you will be having different ALCSs, but yeah, we can move on. Rangers, Orioles. Who do you got and why? Okay. So I have um, 
I think it's a big... I think people will forget how good the Orioles were this year. They were the number one seed in the AL and by quite a bit. And if you think back, I think it's a, a very impressive turnaround considering where they were even just a few years ago. Um, they were complete garbage just lingering around at the bottom of that division. And they managed to, in a division that has two other playoff teams in the Blue Jays and Rays, and obviously um, the Yankees, even though they had a down year with the lineup they have, it's not they like were still they're an instant good. win. They're still pretty good. The fact that they could dominate as much as they did with the kind of roster that they had, um, I think that's a huge testament to the kind of team they are. And I think if they don't win at least one playoff series, like that's so disappointing um, with the kind of regular season they had. So I, even though I think Texas has been playing really good, um, they crushed my Mariners um, to in our two series before um, the regular season was over. We had six games against them and we blew most of them. Um, Texas is a good team, but uh, I don't see them pulling it off against the Orioles. I think the talent gap there is just a little bit too much. I have the Orioles taking it in four. Ooh, okay. So that's 3-1, three, 3-1. Three, one, three, one. Yeah. I also have the Orioles winning. I think that this will be a really close one. I think... I don't hate your pick of saying... I didn't... Before before this, I didn't write down how many games that I thought it was going to be for each series. I... I don't hate your pick of four. I actually pretty much agree with that. And, yeah, I'll, I'll say four, too. Why not? We can agree on that one. I can also give a quick update. The twins have moved on. We were correct. Shocker. Okay, we can. Let's go. We're one and zero. Better than one and zero. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Undefeated. Put all the money on it. Put all the money on it. Just to be clear, just to show that we're not cheating. That is my Sportsnet notification. Just getting it. So there you go. That was pretty. You 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 get the point. Okay, we can keep moving on. Which one's next? We have, just to be clear, that means that the AC, ALCS for your side would be Twins and Orioles. For me, yeah. it would be Astros and Orioles. Yeah. So far, we're not that different. Now, we move over to the NLDS. We're still NLDS. in the DS. Okay, yeah, still, in the, still on that side of things. We have the Brewers and the Dodgers. Who do you got? Or no, we both have we both have different I have teams. The, I have the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers. Okay, why don't you go first? Who do you think is going to win between the Diamondbacks um, and the Dodgers? As a team that is in the sixth seed and beating a three seed, um, in what I think will be a series, like even though it's only three games, still technically going the distance, um, to come up against a Dodgers team that has had so much sustained success. Um, They've won, I believe they've won multiple World Series in the last few years or so. Correct me if I'm wrong. I know they've gotten at least one. Um, but they've just been a cons- like consistently in the playoffs. Cons- like Because, again, the playoffs are when I'm most attuned to baseball, and the Dodgers are always in the conversation there. Um, and Arizona feels more like a team on the come-up than a team that is willing to contend for a championship right now. Um because expectations were a lot lower for them going into the season, and they've exceeded those, um, which, again, great for them. But 
when I'm looking at a series between these two teams, it doesn't necessarily feel like all that fair of a competition just yet. Give the Diamondbacks a little bit more time. Maybe they'll be able to pull an upset off, but I'm not thinking this year. I'm having Dodgers in four. Well, the funny thing is I pretty much have the same. I, despite it being Brewers, I still have the Dodgers coming out on top. I think that they're just a the more experienced team, like you said. More experienced playoff team, more talented. I don't think that's that controversial. And they're a favorite this year, like they always are. I think that uh, if they go out in the divisional, especially to either the Diamondbacks or the Brewers, it would be a very big failure for this team. And that's not me trying to say that to insult the Diamondbacks or Brewers. Just look about look at how much money is being put into the Diamondbacks and the Brewers, and then look at to how much money is going into the Dodgers. And you'll kind of see what I mean. Like, uh, the Dodgers are here to win. I think they will. I don't think that's a hard pick for me. That's probably one of the easier picks that we've had to make so far. Yeah. At least for me. And we yeah. can move on. So we both have Phillies and Braves. Who do you have? Yeah. This is what I was trying to do my research on because I think if I didn't have at least something to back it up, I would get lambasted. Okay, so the Braves, they are very clearly the best team in the MLB right now by a significant stretch. They have the best player in Acuna. Um, I believe he's he's had like an insane, it's like, what is it, 70-40 at this point with 70 home runs and like 40 stolen bases? I don't know if he's... He might have even okay. exceeded that at this point. Okay, you you mixed up mixed up the stat on that one. It is actually I, seventy 40, stolen. 40. stolen. Yeah. <laughs> so sorry, seventy stolen bases and um and forty home runs. That yeah, yeah. sorry that that's <laughs> that's insane. Um, he might have did he even get to? What did he finish at? Not important. Um, anyway, he's very 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 good. Um, and they've been the best team in the league by quite a huge margin. But this wouldn't be a playoff prediction if I didn't have some sort of absurd upset that doesn't defy that defies logic. Um, again, the Phillies, they have the playoff experience. I mean, the Braves do too, but the Phillies have the recent playoff experience of going all the way to the World Series. They have Bryce Harper. Um, and in the last few contests that the Braves and Phillies have played against each other, it's actually been quite an even matchup. So these these two teams, sure. um, these two teams played against each other quite a bit at the end of the season. They played six times. They played seven times in September, and it was a close. So Atlanta got the first series, but the, all of these games are going to be. They, they were super close. We. They played seven games, and three of them went to extra innings. They all ended in ten, um, with the Braves winning two of those and then the Phillies winning the most recent one. Um, the Phillies, if this were a se- if that were a seven-game series, Atlanta would have had the edge. They won four. The Phillies won three. Um, but these are all close games. Um, it's yeah. not as wide apart as you might think considering... So your argument is that it is. could happen. <laughs> My argument is that it could happen, and the playoffs in any sport are two... Um, things happen. Um, they're too... Randomness is too much of a factor in these playoffs to just pick the number one seed every time. Um, yeah. So is... If I was just going straight up based on my head, I'd probably pick Atlanta. But 
based on the fact that I think there will be an upset, a huge upset like this at some point in the playoffs, and based on the fact that um, when they've played each other very recently, the Phillies um, put up a very good fight. Um, I think in a five-game series, the Phillies can win one more. Because if you get it to 2-2, all you have to do is win one game. And I think the Phillies can do that. So I have them winning in five. To be fair, in a five-game series, ninth inning, you need one home run. I don't think there's a single player in baseball right now I'd rather have than Bryce Harper. So I don't nece- yeah. I'm not necessarily mad at the pick. I do disagree with you. I think it's going to be Braves, but I don't disagree with anything else you said. I think it could go either way, and when it goes either way, I just I'm going with the same. I think pick. that will be. I think no matter who wins, this will be one of the best series in the playoffs. Oh, for sure, and that's not an argument. I think that the next one, no matter who wins, will also end up being one of the best series in baseball in the NL. But we'll start in the AL because I hate fun. We to start off. Astros and Orioles. I believe we have the same player teams, right? No, I have Minnesota. Right. Okay. So Minnesota I and think the Orioles. I feel like I feel like we will end up with the same um, team at the end of this, though. Not to tip my hand too much. Um, Minnesota is the kind of team where I can see them pulling off one upset, but pulling off two in a row, especially after your series goes to five, feels like a little bit too much. Everything that I said about the Orioles in the last. Um, series remains true, and I don't think Minnesota is a good enough team to get to a World Series at this point. I have Baltimore taking it in six. Yep. I have the Orioles beating the Astros solely because they're really good at baseball. As much as I think that the Astros... And truthfully, I don't think that this... I still think this is a fall-off for the Astros, truthfully. I think this is a sign. I think this is going to be the type of series where we see the young, up-and-coming Orioles beat the aging Astros. I think it's gonna, that's going to be the story of the playoffs for the Astros. I do agree. I think this is going to be the year that we start to see them decline. I don't think it's going to be enough that they lose to the Twins. I think that... And that's not me insulting the Twins. I just... It's more me complimenting the Astros, if anything, right? Yeah. But nonetheless, we both have Orioles moving on. Which means that the Orioles will be going to the World Series in both of our predictions. Yeah. Which, to be fair, they are the first seed. That is a fair prediction. I think we both had the same idea with that, where they are a very, very good baseball team. And it, I don't think it would surprise anybody to see that. We can go to the, the other side, though. You have Dodgers and Phillies. Again, what yeah. is probably going to be one of the best series in this playoffs, if it happens. If. So, yeah. who do you got and why? I think if you are a team like Philly, and if it goes the way that I think it does, where you pull off an upset, like upsetting Atlanta, you, at that point, are a team of destiny. And... I'm looking at um, when I when I look at this series, I think it's going to be another one that um, I think it goes the distance. I think it goes a full seven games, um, but I think it's the same kind of thing that you said in the last segment. If you're looking at three three, you're looking at game seven, and you've got Bryce Harper up to the plate. Bottom I of the nine. Don't see. I don't <laughs> see how you can stop that. 
I have no. I it, it again it's another one that could go either way. I think the NL is going to be really contested when you get down to these final three teams of Philly, Atlanta, and LA. When you're looking at those final three teams, I think it could go any three of those ways. But in this specific instance, I have the underdog out of those three winning in seven and going to the World Series. Okay. So for you, your World Series will be Phillies, Orioles. Phillies make it two years in a row. Yes. On my side, I have Dodgers and Braves, which is a very tough matchup to me. I think that will absolutely be a barn burner. I think that... That is probably, that is arguably, well, I guess Orioles had a better record, huh? But it's going to be a, a really tough series. I'm even disagreeing with myself. You know how you said last series you need an upset? I think I need one too. Because as easy as it would be to just say that the Braves are going to walk through this entire the entire MLB and win the World Series, there is a better chance it doesn't happen than that it does. I have the Dodgers beating the Braves. I think, just to be fun, I won't. I'll say in six. Not really. Wow, not okay. really to say that uh, that I think that the Dodgers blow out the Braves or anything like that. But just to be fun, why not? Which means yeah. that my my final matchup is Orioles Dodgers. Your final matchup is Orioles and Phillies. Yeah. So. Who do you have winning the World Series and why? And remember, you will be ridiculed on this for the rest of time. So there's a couple... I've gone back and forth because there's a couple things that um, I have to um, justify in my head before I um, make this pick. Um, the The first thing with the Orioles. I'm looking at the Orioles and I see a team that um, has this, this, even though they've been very good, they are a inexperienced playoff team. Do they have what it takes to make a full World Series all the way to the end and winning it run? Um, even with how good they were in the regular season, do they have what it takes because the playoffs is a whole different beast? That's a tough question because you're going up against a team like the Phillies who already has proven they have what it takes to get all the way to the World Series, and especially after losing that last one, they are going to be hungry for another one. Bryce Harper very badly wants that World Series ring, right? Um, As probably the best player of his generation, to not have a ring so far um, Mm. is just... is just... uh, If you are Bryce Harper, you're going to be pushing for that more than you have anything in your entire career. So that's... And also the other thing, just based on on vibe, um, the Orioles, again, they... When when was the last time the Phillies won one? The Orioles haven't won one for 40 years. It's been exactly 40 years. The last time um, the Orioles won a World Series was 1983. Um... I don't think. No. No. It isn't. Because I think the last time they've even made it to the, like, God. Oh, no. No, I'm being dumb. That's my bad. I'm thinking of a different stat. Well, the Orioles won in, okay, the Phillies won in 2008. Um, yeah. 
and they also won in 1980. So these are two teams who had been been historical winners, um, but the Orioles, it's a little bit rougher in that regard. All of yep. this prelude to say, um, it was tough for me. I went both ways. But based on my bracket and my bracket alone, if it plays out exactly like it does in what I've said, you have to look at the Phillies. They go to five against Atlanta. They go to seven against the Dodgers. I don't think as a team, if you play that many games, you have what it takes left in the tank to overcome what, other than the Braves, has been the best team in baseball which is why I have the Orioles taking the series. I think they're going to jump out to a huge lead. I think they'll go up 3-0. I think the Phillies will claw back, win two, but I think the Orioles will eventually take it in six. Wow. That's one hell of a story. I honestly hope that happens. That's a hell of a storyline. Yeah. Bryce Harper had it all, but lost once again. Yep. Two years in I, will, I will say, though, that Mike Trout wants to have a conversation with you about uh, Bryce Harper being player the best of player of that generation. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a conver- it's a conversation. It's a conversation. It's a okay. conversation. <laughs> okay. Uh, Orioles-Dodgers. So, this one truthfully came down to gut for me. Because I think it's too hard to pick. You've got the young squad. You've got the all the you've got the and I we keep saying it. The young team inexperienced, do they have what it takes to win it all? That's the question, right? Because sure, you can walk through the rest of the the uh, that side, which basically both of us have them doing. We both have them having no issue in the American League side of the things, right? Or at least for the most part. Yeah. Like they fairly successfully beat everyone. I think in my final upset, I sadly have the Dodgers beating the Orioles. We both have the Orioles wow. losing. I think no, that... I have, I have the Orioles winning. I have the Orioles winning. Oh, you do? Oh, don't, never mind. Whatever. Don't jump. Don't Well, don't let, at the very least... At the, the Orioles hate trade. <laughs> at the very least... And the, to be clear, in this series, everybody will be an Orioles fan. <laughs> everybody, yes. including me. Including me. I think the Dodgers are going to win. I think they have more experience. I don't think they're the better team, but at the end of the day, in the playoffs, after the World Series, after all of these games, I just have the Dodgers winning it. I, truthfully, you you had a lot more evidence behind, behind your Phillies thing, which is why I kind of hope you were right on it. But, truthfully, it all comes down to gut for me. I don't know. When I get to this Dodgers-Orioles game, I just end up sitting here going... It doesn't feel right for the Orioles. It does like it's too it's too obvious, right? It's too obvious to say yeah. the Orioles would win it. I feel like it's not going to be the Braves and it's not going to be the <coughs> Orioles. I think it's going to be the Dodgers. That would be my prediction. So, there you go. Both of our World Series predictions. Now watch book the Dodgers and Orioles go out in the ALDS. It'll be great. <laughs> yep. Yeah. They're both going to get swept now. Yeah. Just kidding. Place tr- all your money on our bets. It's the trick I don't trick know what the odds are right now, but it's the it's it's going to happen. Especially you, Drake. So, with the NHL season fast approaching, I believe starting in I believe by the time we 
maybe by the time we do the next podcast, I might have already started, or at least been starting in the next couple days. So to lead into that, there's an interesting article on the score, um, ranking the NHL's six best lines. Now, we say it's an interesting article. Neither of us have read it. Thought it was an interesting concept. Um, but it's not like we're not doing our research. We didn't read it for a reason. Because we want to both independently come up with our own ranking of the best lines in the league and eventually compare that to what the score has. Now, I don't know how you want to do this, Simon. I'm a little bit scared to look at the score because I don't know if they're going 6-1 to one or 1-6. One to six. I'll scroll down. Okay. They went 6-1. to one. We're good. Okay, so should we should and start already, already seeing their number six, I don't like my own picks. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, let's let's so, see how this. Let's see how this is. Number six for the score. I think that they have a different line combo for this team than I do, which is making me want to quickly take a peek at that because the I because that is interesting. They actually do. So there's a chance that me and you, we're gonna have very different picks to the score. But at least we'll have the context. To be clear, on the website I'm using, which is cap-friendly, the Tampa Bay Lightning have a starting first line of Steven Stamkos, Braden Point, and Nikita Kucherov. I have that. I have that. They have Hagel, Point, and Kucherov, and they have them in sixth. Oh. What's your thoughts on that? Shouldn't have put food in my mouth right as I did that. Okay. Um, I Hagel pointed Kucherov so yeah I'm not judging it based off of the same metric at that point because I have um, the same thing that you do which is point Kucherov and Stamkos yeah. I don't know where they're getting so, that from to be clear to be clear, that that's a pretty good sign me and you both have them a lot higher to be clear Yeah. I, it just occurred to me do you have any honorable mentions maybe we should do that first because I have a couple I, I do, do I do Okay. I have three. I have three. I have three I'll just too. list them off real quick. Sure. Uh, my three are the Ottawa Senators, which is Brady Kachuk, Tim Stutzla, and Claude Giroux, which I think is a really good line. I it think is, Giroux yeah. brings it down a little bit, but um, just because of he's reaching the end of his career, he's not as good as he used to be, um, but it's still a very solid line, and even if Giroux's not what he used to be, he's still a solid player. Um, I have the New Jersey Devils. Um, looking at okay. Tyler Toffoli, Jack okay. Hughes, and Jesper Bratt. Um, it's a line that we'll see how Toffoli fits in there, but if he's as good as he was in Calgary, this line could very well move up the list and potentially oh, yeah. into the top six. And then my last honorable mention, um, Homerism. Really? You think so? I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. I have the Calgary Flames with the top line of <laughs> Huberdome, Lindholm, and Mangiapane. Now, wow. if they play... Wow. Like they did last year. This <laughs> line is be it's not gonna be sniffing anywhere near. I, I almost put it in at six, but I didn't. Wow. Um, I was not close. I, if Huberto rebounds, um <sighs> Lindholm plays like he has been for the last few years, and Manji Apani continues to grow as a player, I think this line can be one of the best. I um I think that that is a prediction that I would probably be more comfortable making for the end of the season. Like uh, I could see, and this is in a this is in That's a world. Fair. This is in a dream world. Work with me here. Huberto bounces back. He plays great. 
we see another 100-point Huberdeau season, right? <coughs> Lindholm bounces back, plays great next to Huberdeau. And on that right-wing side, at that point in the season, Scoronato has moved up the lineup. That could be a top line. You don't have you don't have faith in Mangiapane? It's not that I don't have faith in Mangiapane. I just have a I lot have more a faith, of faith in Mangiapane. I I love I have a Mangiapane jersey. I, I love him as a player. I think that uh, I think he would be really really good for this team. I think that you really need to watch some Coronado tape from this preseason and realize the fact. Oh, that, I, I mean, I know, I know, I know. Like this guy that the Flames have is special. I think that he is going to be the next best scorer for the Flames potentially. Not maybe not this year, but in the future. When you have a shot like that, with no NHL experience, you are going to have a very hard time convincing me that this guy isn't the future. And I think that he could be the future as close as maybe March, April. But is that going to happen? Would I be comfortable saying that right now? No. Okay. But we should... Can I I give my honorable mentions? who's Who's your honorable mentions? Okay. Number nine, I decided to have fun with it as well. (laughs) <laughs> not quite the flames i decided to live in a dream world as well <laughs> the chicago blackhawks <laughs> imagine taylor hall returns to mvp glory i, I can't Bedard, roll my eyes any further 80 points <laughs> i can't roll my eyes 80 point further. rookie no. season Corey perry Bounces back okay, and you know, we see you're, a little speckle of prime come oh, back. Okay, okay. <laughs> you're, you're, you're getting on me about is my flames projecting Absolutely the not, but it would be Chicago. so funny. Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> Shirt ball. <laughs> I had to do it. It was too fun. Yeah. Realistically, a more realistic pick for number nine, I'd probably just throw Edmonton in there because I feel feel bad. They're not up on my list. Oh, no, they are. Actually, that's yeah. a lie. They are number eight. I <laughs> I threw them on there not necessarily for their top line, but for the t- type of top line combinations that they probably will have by the end of the year, if you just think about it. They can make a very easy top line. If we're just talking Connor Brown, McDavid, and... Evander Kane, they're not in my top nine. But I felt weird keeping them off their top nine because their their second line right now on cap friendly would be top six. (laughs) Like, uh, it's really weird over there in Edmonton. So, I don't know. Uh, I have them at eight. At seven, I have Buffalo. Now... okay. To be fair, that is very, very carried by Tage Thompson and Skinner. I think yeah. uh, currently on Cap Friendly, they have uh, newly drafted Zach Benson, I believe, playing with them, who I had a lot of excitement for coming out of this draft. I thought he was – I wanted the Flames to take him, actually. He was, my, he was my pick for who I wanted them to take. I think that if he plays in that role, he will the the Buffalo Sabres will find success. But even if they choose not to go that direction, they have a lot of other win- wingers that they could easily slide in there. So I feel fairly confident by saying that Buffalo will have one of the best top lines this season. Like, no matter who they slide in at right wing. If it's Zach Benson, I still have no issue with this pick. But if it's someone else, it's someone else. 
So we can move on to our actual number six because we just read. We're already eight minutes in. We got to speed up. <laughs> but uh, okay, your number six. Tampa. My number six is a line. This one is very much based on potential. Um, okay. Potential for the players. Potential mostly for to see how they gel together because there's one, one younger player. Um, one player that's proven in the system, and then a player that just got added this offseason, who's a proven player, but we don't know how he's going to work in this system. Detroit. And that system is the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah. Um, we're looking at a top line of Debrinket, Larkin, and Lucas Raymond. And I think if that line hits their top potential, they can move even further up that list because that's an insane grouping of players. They are all very talented. But the reason they stick at number six as of right now is just because we don't know what it's going to look like. Um, we know what Larkin is. We know what Debrinket is. Raymond, um, we know he's very, very good. Very really good player. Um, yeah. Has a lot but, of potential. Um, a lot of potential, but we, I think I need to see a little bit more before I start calling him one of the better players in the, in the league, obviously. And to bring it, you don't know how he's going to mesh. Like there's, there's good players. And sometimes we've seen to bring it struggle happens. on better lines. Yes. But I think with the potential that this line has, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt and placing them in my top six. Um, not quite all the way up yet, but I think they could be in the future. It could be. I, with you saying that, I can now confidently say that I would swap Detroit and Chicago. Just to be clear. <laughs> if anything, I think that Detroit is like an 8 or 9 with the potential to probably move into the top 5. That's where I'd probably slide them. So I have a little bit... I still... I really like Tage Thompson as a player. I think he's great. I think Skinner still can be that good top-line winger to complement that. And I, like I said, I'm high on Benson. And maybe that's just me being, like... I, I like Buffalo as a team this year in general, so maybe I'm a little biased. I don't know. I like Buffalo more than Detroit. So we'll see what happens with that. But uh, I uh, I would say... Well, so for my number six... Yeah. I have Ottawa. Okay, okay. So you have them higher than I do. Why... Why Sorry. do you have Ottawa as high as six? I have Ottawa at six because I you said that you were not very high on Drew and that was a reason that you that you brought him down. I think we had this conversation when we went over Ottawa earlier this year. I still think that Drew can be a top line winger. I don't necessarily think that he's obviously the worst player on that line and it's not close, but I still think that he'll be elevated in that position enough that it won't matter. I think that it's going to be the type of situation where he's playing with two elite stars who are just young guys, just getting better. I think that they'll be a pretty good line just because of Stutzel and uh, Kachuk. So I have no issue sliding them in at six. For a lot of the same reasons that I have Buffalo at seven, frankly. So if anything, I'd That's say good. it's just a better, it's a better third player on that line. That's it, right? Like, we can move on. So, the score. Finally moving back to the article that started it all. <laughs> yeah. Has. Wow. Wow. Okay. I'm curious where you're going to have this pick. line. Kind of surprise pick. Vegas. Ooh, okay. They're not. That's kind of spicy. I won't, I, won't, I won't tip my hand, but they're not that far off. That's their number five? That's their number five. I. Okay, I'll, I'll talk do about not them when have... I get there. 
Yeah, I forgot quite a few teams when I was making my list. <laughs> I think realistically they would probably pop right outside of the top six for me. I think they're okay. very good. I think they're a very good line. And that's that's the tough thing. When we're doing six, top ten would be so much easier for this. <laughs> but top yeah. six is really hard. And I really like this Vegas line. It's hard line. to narrow it down. I really like this it's Vegas line. hard to line. narrow it down. But it's... And did they put... It's Bar- Barbashev, Eichel, Marcheseau? Yeah. We'll get to that. Okay. We'll talk about that more a little bit later. Okay, so clearly you um, have them higher. I And the thing is, we, me and you both have uh, a history with Barbashev, which we don't have to go into. Yes. And I, that's why I respect <laughs> the pick. I respect it. But I don't necessarily think that they're that high. I think maybe in the playoffs, if this was a playoff first line, I would have a lot, I'd be a lot more comfortable with this pick. Regular season, you'd have a bit more of a, I'd have a bit more of an issue with we can move well, on though. I can re- or I, I can ref- I can refute that, but I will later. All right, my sure. My number five is um, it's a line that has two genuine superstars on it, um, and then it has one guy who hasn't been in the league for a little while, and that's Colorado. Um, yeah. I'm looking at that top line, and it's another I potential thing. Everyone. <laughs> How did I forget Colorado? I okay. I hate my list. My list sucks. Do not agree with my. Do not agree with my list. How did I forget Colorado? Because you know what's funny? I was looking at that line and I was thinking to myself, I that's top four for me. Because truthfully, I think it is. I think Drew bounces back. I think okay. that in his I, first, I think because I liked him a lot, and now he's gonna get the yeah. chance to play with McKinnon and Rantanen. As somebody who watches a team in the Western Conference, shoot me now. <laughs> that is yeah, a good okay. team. I, I'm not nearly as high on Jonathan Druin as you are because I think projecting I think he'll him be to good be enough. that good right out of the box. To be, projecting him to be that good out of the box I think is a little bit absurd just because we haven't seen him in so long. And Yeah, but are you telling me, are you telling me that 50 points is absurd? Yeah. <laughs> It wouldn't be because of him. It would be because it of wouldn't. the line no, he's no, playing no. on. I'm not saying and, it would be because of him. At, I'm saying I'm, that I'm on saying... a line like Colorado, we're turning into first take over here. On a line like Colorado, <laughs> do you think that Jonathan Druid could put up 50 points? Okay, but that's not the point of the argument here. Do I think he could? M- maybe. But, like, we're talking top five lines in the NHL right now. And I'm looking at, I have to look, the rest of these lines are good holistically. All of the players on there are good and have been proven to be good recently. Jonathan Drouin has not. And as much faith as I have in McKinnon and Rantikin to carry him, I have to see more from Jonathan Drouin before I bump them up any more than I already have. That's fair. That's fair. I, I, I don't know. I think that's a really good line. I think you could basically... Rantanen and McKinnon are both so good at this sport of hockey that I think you could pretty much throw anyone in their top six on that line, and they you'll have no problem for me. And I think Druin is, if he is a fraction of as good as he used to be, as a scorer, as a playmaker, as just being that kind of player, even like, if we see him return to any sort of potential, that will be a dangerous team. 
And I think that uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see that this year. I, I think I'd be more surprised to see Drew and do worse than to see him do better. I'm not saying that I predict him to have a really, really good year. But I'm saying, I don't know, 25 goals, something like that. I don't On a line like that, I don't think that's absurd. I really don't. We'll, we'll see how the season goes. We'll see how the season yeah, goes. Yeah, we'll see. I think Maybe it's a I'm bit completely of a stretch wrong. at this point. Okay, well, we can I move on. I think it's a bit of a stretch. My point. number five. Who's your number five? I hate my my thing now i almost don't even think there's a point but it's florida i have florida we talked about this beforehand okay we talked about this beforehand because uh we had to have a bit of a uh a conversation because florida's line right now line matchups are a little whack and they currently have kachuk on a second line which we both agreed is kind of weird so we have decided that their top line realistically is probably Verhage, Sam Bennett, Matthew Kachuk. Realistically, right? Their top line pairing is probably that. So with that in mind, I have them at four, or at five, sorry. Because I think that despite Sam Bennett probably being the least talented player on that line by quite a bit, I still think that uh, I still like it. I like it. I like them as a team. I like them as a, I like that first line. I Maybe I'm a little biased. I like Sam Bennett. Despite him being the worst player on that line, but uh, I think they're pretty good. I hate my I hate yeah, my fucking I, thing, but it's alright. I don't think I I don't think I like I disagree. I don't have them in my top nine. Um, okay. But I don't think I I don't think I have to refute that too much based on how much you're already <laughs> refuting your own pick. I am. Um, I it's not necessarily that I disagree with them being as high as they they're, are. I just think that there are more line. people. There are more people I would slot in above them. Like, Colorado, yes. Who else did we already establish uh, that I missed? Detroit. Vegas? Vegas. Mm, yeah, I'd probably say Vegas above them. And then Detroit, I'd probably slot, slot right behind. So, yeah. Yeah. I still stand by my top right. three. Top four. We'll okay, I, I think our I think our top three and four might be pretty similar. Okay, so anyway, let's look. Moving what is into the, the top at four? four at four, they have Toronto. Oh, that's low. Okay, you think that's low? I'll I'll, I'll save my. I that is that is disrespectfully low. You think um, so? I will. I will. So get you're into that you're more. you you clearly must be fairly high on Bertuzzi then because that is the big conversation around yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Toronto yeah, team. I, I actually like Bertuzzi as a player. I think he's going to mesh really well with Matthews and Marner. So I do still have them higher than this. I do not have them at four. I have a different team at four. But I don't... I don't I'd have to disagree s- with having them at four. I, I, I don't I, look at this and think it's... I have to see who they have in front of them. I just don't... I cannot name three lines better Okay, than who do you have at four? I have Vegas at four. So it was okay. not that far off from what the okay. score put. Um, some people may get on me about the whole putting um, the abs line below. I do think it was a bit of a toss-up for me. Um, but I just think an unbalanced line of two superstars and one um, piece Simon thinks is going to be the next Gretzky, but um, 
the rest of us. I don't know. Um, I said 50 points. (laughs) (laughs) Name me one season Gretzky had 50 points. Look it up right now. (laughs) Anyways, anyways, anyways. Um, Gretzky can put up 50 points right now. (laughs) Okay. In his, like, 60s? He probably could. Um, But, um... Looking at a team like Vegas, you say um, something that you said, like if this was a playoff Lions ranking, then you put them higher. Yeah. Um, but I think that's very important to take into consideration. This line has been battle-tested that's and won fair. the Stanley Cup. And yep. um, the, obviously the toughest tournament in probably all of sports. Um, yeah. I think they mesh really well together. Because I, I think line chemistry is really important to take into consideration. And this pairing has proven to work. Like, as soon as they snapped Barbashev onto that top line, say what you want about Barbashev as a player, um, but it worked really well together. They all complemented each other really well. You've got Eichel as the star. Marceau is amazing, too. Barbashev is obviously the... Um, lowest piece on that line, but in terms of how they all play together and what they've done, because the NHL obviously, as all sports are, it's a what have you done for me lately, Lee, and this line just went and won the Stanley Cup. So, so I think having them at four, I, I again, I, I went back and forth them either four or five, but I think them at four is not too much of a stretch. I just saw who number three is, and I'm very excited. But, uh... Okay. I for number four for me I had New Jersey because I'm actually a lot higher on them I think than okay. you are. I'm very high on Jack Hughes as a player. He has gotten a lot of uh, a lot of people, very very big people in this sport, saying that they think that he's one of the best players in the league, <sighs> and I completely agree with them. I think that he's a very smart player. I could he has had a lot of success already. I could see him breaking out, giving him a score like Toffoli and Jesper Brad on either side. That's going to be good. I you. That's going to be yeah. good. Are you ready? Your body is not ready for number three. <laughs> Get ready to be okay, enraged. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. And just to let's be clear, I'm going to... Uh, it's Edmonton, isn't it? It's Edmonton. So, the, the top line, or the top line, the top, like, sentence for this is, this line features the best player on the planet. So, of course, it wound yeah. up in the podium on this right. And to be clear, to be clear, this is not them going, ah, no, we'll put Hopkins on that line. No, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 no. They have different line pairings here. Okay, this one makes a little sense. Connor Brown is absolutely the weak point. They, but they switched Kane and Hyman. So it is McDavid, Hyman, Brown. That's still that's, that's still, still stupid high. That's still disgusting. That's still stupid Connor high. Connor Brown, take every, I thought take that it was a Vander okay. Kane, Connor Brown, McDavid. That would Druin, have been rough. If we go back to Druin again, take everything you said about take everything <laughs> I said about Druin and, and apply, apply it, it like yeah. five times more to yeah. Connor Brown. Because the difference like, is Druin has Druin had, had ta- he had talent. Connor Brown had potential. Yeah. He never hit it. Connor Brown was never close. This is the McDavid effect. Like, obviously, like... Uh, you got to realize, fan, can, like, I just, can I just make a quick example? At best, Connor Brown this year turns into a Pat Maroon 2 when he was on the Oilers. Remember Pat Maroon? He had yeah. that 125 goal season. At best, that is what Connor Brown does next to McDavid. At best. 
this example is making it seem like Connor Brown is going to play as well as literally go back at number four. Bertuzzi? Hell no. Hell no. Yeah, this put them putting this is what I meant when I said like the Leafs ranking is disrespectful because yeah. they're gonna pull some shit like this. Yeah. Um what is it with all of the um NHL outlets just sucking off McDavid? Obviously, like <laughs> he's the best player in the world. I you can't like that that has been proven again and again and again. But by placing this line, by just saying, Oh, the best player is on this line, so automatically um, it's in the top three. That is just complete garbage and utter horseshit because that upends the conceit of your entire list. Edmonton, again, did not place within my top nine because obviously McDavid, as the point of any line, is the best. He's the best player in the league. He's the best player on the line. Unless you're surrounding him with other players, if you put him with Drysaddle like the Oilers have done before, probably instant top three. But can you're I, putting him with Connor Brown, which you already talked about. Can I read you their argument? Who's good, but not that good. Can I read you their argument? Because it's pretty wild. So, I'm just going to read this entire paragraph. Because it's worth reading. Rounding out this trio is the new addition, Connor Brown. Who is known for being a workhorse and has already been praised by McDavid as the perfect addition to the Oilers. They were line mates with the Erie Otters, yada, yada, yada. And combined for 227 points in 2013-2014. Brown won't blow you... This is the part that I wanted to get to. Brown won't blow you away with his NHL point totals, but to be fair, neither did Hyman, whose previous career high was 41 points before moving out west. Brown and Hyman also have four seasons worth of experience playing together with their time on the Maple Leafs. To be clear, I want to fact-check myself. What is Connor Brown's best season there's, I, I, I'm sure he's had one season where he did pretty decent. I don't know. <coughs> I don't think that's right. I don't think he's had anything. Oh, that's a I lot think... of stretching to suck some oiler cock. Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. That is a statement. That Holy crap. Okay. Okay. <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, I was wrong and I will admit I was wrong. On the Senators in 2019, 2020. He had 43 points in a season. Last, cool. The year before... What have you his, done for me lately? What have you done for me lately? Last, this, the next season, the next three seasons, he had 35, 39, and then last year he had zero. Well, yeah, because he was injured the whole year. Yeah. Um, so that's he, another thing you have to take into consideration. For his career, he averages a little under 40 points a season. Probably closer to like 35. Yeah. Remember, he'll match that just by virtue of playing with McDavid. He'll probably hit fifty. How points. long do you think it's gonna last? He'll How hit fifty points if he stays there. Well, if it's to keep McDavid happy as long as it takes. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, I we should like move on because me and you though. can rant about this forever. We, uh, yeah. And you know it. Okay. Wait until Dry My number on the three. Did I say my number three? My number three. Toronto. Okay. Which I think is respectable. Okay. Especially considering, I will say, my top three are interchangeable, I think. Without much Okay. Issue. Because okay. I think that, respectably, eh, I wouldn't put Toronto number one, though. I think Toronto, they're... I almost did. You almost did? I believe it. Like, they are good. They're not number one. 
We can we can yeah, move on. I don't well, I didn't say my number three. I want to say Oh, did you not? Oh, okay, sorry. Fun. Go ahead. Uh, my number three is Dallas. Um, wow. I think Dallas is... Okay. I think Dallas is a really good line, and I think it takes um, that Vegas line that I talked about, playoff tested. Um, even though Dallas didn't make it all the way to the Stanley Cup, um, these players, especially a guy like Rupe Hintz, criminally underrated... I... Um, and is a consistent playoff performer um this line um if you don't know you're looking at um you're looking at robertson hints and pavelski um and for me it comes down to you've got the star player and then you've got two guys who have just like don't underrate pavelski is old but don't underrate him especially looking at what he did in the playoffs last year um like This guy, this is a guy who can still hit the highs in terms of points. Um, and the biggest thing for I me with all of this is I am very excited to talk about Dallas when we get there. Because I have them a little bit higher. And I think that they're a very, very interesting line going into this year. So, but they're they're really good. I think that, uh, I think we should wait to talk about them more. Just to be clear. Yeah, okay. Let's do that. Okay. Okay, number two. Well, speaking of talking about them later, Dallas. <laughs> Dallas on the score list. That's fair. That's fair. I still, I, I have Toronto higher. I don't. I'm in, I am very interested to see who the score has at number one. I am very curious. So my number two, I'm not letting you see it yet. <laughs> Gotta hold your horses. Okay. Is Tampa. I have Tampa okay. at number two. Because solely, if you can look me dead in the eyes and tell me that St- Steven Stamkos, Braden Point, and Kucherov is still not one of the stupidest lines you would have ever heard of, you are as you are dumb. You are straight stupid. Yeah. That is a stupid line. That line should not exist, yeah. and it has existed for the last like six years. And it's we insane. just and it's occasionally insane. people forget that. Do you remember when that line first became a thing? And they won two cups in a row. Yeah. Yeah. That line you still exists. That. that line still exists. It's still there. I think that they and, are very easily number one. I think that on my list, honestly, I have no issue putting them number one. My number one, I reserved for a different line solely because I think that uh, they work better together. But overall, on paper, this line is number one. And you cannot argue with me. Because you are wrong. Tampa, on paper, has the best line in hockey. Okay. Um, at my number two, I have a team that we've already talked about a couple times, and that's Toronto. Um, okay. I think, again, like we've talked about Toronto a lot already, so we don't have to go on it too much, but I think um, they were interchangeable with my number one team, which if you followed along, you can probably guess what it is. Um, but I think they're pretty interchangeable. I think there's... Um, a pretty clear, like, I, I can agree. You've said your top three is interchangeable. Um, I can kind of agree with that because I think I, I'm pretty sure we have the same top three, just in a different order. I um, think so, yeah. But I think I think Toronto, like, I'm just looking at the overall talent. Um, we'll see how Bertuzzi incorporates into that line, but Matthews and Marner has been one of the best pairings of the last however many years they've been in the league together. Um, and you can't deny that. And Bertuzzi is a very talented player in his own right. So I think having them 
at two is completely fair. I think having them as low as the score did is what's a little bit disrespectful. Three yeah. is also fair, too. Yeah. Well, I think that... Uh, so, do you want to... Okay. So, their number one... Who does one. the score have? I'm so curious. You're so curious? I, do you have a guess? Line, like, do you have a guess? So, like, okay. After okay. everything that Let we've me... gone over, who do you have a guess? No peeking. So, <laughs> okay. So, what I think it will be... What I think it will be... Because they've already mentioned my top three. Because yeah. they mentioned Tampa too low. Because they put in Hagel, whatever. We're, we're judging based on different things, I guess. Yeah. They've already had Toronto. They've already had Dallas. I am completely lost at this point. My best guess is Colorado. Because I, I genuinely do not see any other team being that high. This is a terrible list. <laughs> Who do they have at number one? Who do you think? <laughs> it's Colorado. They put Edmonton again? Okay, it's Colorado. Okay. Oh, that'd be pretty wild. They put the second line for Edmonton second on line? number one. That I would, would be a... lose. I would walk out of the podcast. I'm done at that I point. should have said Man, that. Second... That would have been way funnier. I'm not even going to talk about so, number one. I'm so just leaving. We don't need to rant about this for too long because we can both agree that it's absolutely ridiculous. I am That's very insane. high. This is a terrible list. I am very high on Jonathan Druin. They, with by making this suggestion, let's even just compare it to their number two. Let's look at it like this. Robertson hints Pavelski, right? At the worst, Pavelski gets 75 points, right? We can both agree on that? And he ends yep. up getting the lowest amount of points on that line. Are you going to look me dead in the eyes and tell me that Druin matches that? No. Because <laughs> <laughs> that is what... Let's Here, let's read it out a little bit. Yeah. I'm going what to just say? like... So, do you want me to just... Are we just reading articles here? Welcome to the reading podcast. Along with the Oilers, the Colorado Avalanche were the only team to boast multiple 100-point getters in 2022-2023. Both of them are on this line. Nathan McKinnon hit the century mark for the first time in his career last season, despite missing 11 games. Miko Rantanen posted the first 50-goal season in franchise history, yada, 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 you know how good they are. Uh, any line that has both McKinnon and Rantanen has a shot for number one. Fair. On this list. It doesn't really matter who's with them. Slight disagree, but fair. That's not true. That's not true. Lekkonen took the most reps alongside them last year, but we're giving... What the fuck? Okay, Jonathan... This is a weirdly worded article. They're giving a, the crack to Jonathan Druin. He, he was teammates <laughs> with McKinnon, and... With on the Halifax Mooseheads, did you know that? Oh man! How many times have you oh, heard man. that? I bet you didn't know that fact. It's not like we hear it every this fucking is... day. Um, man, they they really love their. Did you know? Did you know? CHL lines. I know it's insane. Did you know they won the Memorial Cup? Because I sure didn't. Whoa, that's Golly wild. gee! That's it's wild. almost like that's the entire reason that Druin keeps getting chances in the NHL because <laughs> of how insane he was in in the CHL. Druin's NHL career hasn't panned out as well as McKinnon's, but he was in need of a fresh start after a rough stint in Montreal. There's no guarantee their reunion works, but wouldn't it be cool if it did? Man, I love when journalism ends with, wouldn't it be cool if this happened? So This is peak sports journalism. Imagine, imagine with the World Series. We just did a baseball prediction, right? 
Imagine if I hit you with the fact that I think the Blue Jays are going to win the World Series. They're going to make a comeback against the Twins, all that. And keep in mind, this is after they went out. This is after they went out. Like, we knew at that point that they were out. So keep it that in mind. Imagine if I made the cool. argument, what, wouldn't it be cool if they did? There's no guarantee that the Blue Jays win the World Series. But wouldn't it be cool if they did? I mean, wouldn't it be cool if Seattle won their last three games and took that number two slot away from the Astros? I wouldn't, don't know if it would you happen, know what? but wouldn't it be there's, cool? Hey, Caleb, there's no guarantee that Joe Rogan gives the Trick Play podcast a shout-out. But wouldn't it be cool if it Wouldn't did? it be cool? <laughs> it would be so cool. Yeah. Wouldn't it be cool if it did? God, you oh don't have to. God. You don't. You don't have to know. You don't know that subscribing to this podcast will work out. But wouldn't it be cool if it did? Wouldn't it be cool? <laughs> wouldn't it be cool? Uh, oh my God, this list sucks. Oh, that was. Terrible. I don't even know if I need. I, I don't even know if trick I need play to say segment my one. ever. <laughs> yeah. Holy crap! Don't my God. Watch anymore. My number one. My number one's fucking Tampa. But like, yeah, you knew that. Yeah. It's, that that at least we I already talked like, about this points. best on paper yada, yada, yada. Dallas. yeah Yours is Dallas. Dallas that makes sense I, at least we didn't choose line Colorado up, line up fucking their their chemistry is insane they literally are the best line in hockey like on on yeah, ice they're I the put, best line in hockey on paper I agree with you Tampa yeah I put Tampa just because of the extra skill but I'm not going to be upset putting Dallas in number one yep okay well we can move on NFL time! Sucks, man. Oh my god. <laughs> so, as of recently, there's been big news in uh, the section that I like to call um, news that appeals mostly to nerds like me, um, and that's spring football news. Um, we're talking about the XFL, we're talking about the USFL. Uh, did anybody really watch? I don't know. I did. I thought it was fun. And apparently yeah, enough people did to where... Um, the powers that be, The Rock and whoever runs the USFL, decided uh, we both had a good go at this. They both made it one season. The USFL has made it two full seasons now. Um, and they're going to merge their powers together into one <laughs> giant league. Um, and I really wanted to talk about this because I think that this is huge. Um, spring football has kind of been a bit of a joke um, ever since like the 80s. Because if you look at the spring football market, you've had so many startup leagues try to weasel into what seems like this wide open gap in the market where the most popular sport in America is not being played for most of the year. And people have tried to wiggle in there. And most of the efforts have failed. We had the AAF. I don't know if anybody remembers that. That folded. Um, It didn't even make it to a full season. You that had, one was, like, um, weird. I remember that. That one was weird. That one was weird. Um, I'm Salt Lake Stallions fan forever. Um, but uh, they had that. You had the original iteration of the XFL. Um, uh, another with, one. Uh, this one I did watch. I actually think it's still happening. Uh, I think they're doing another season of it. Oh, the Indoor League on Twitch. The, Fan controlled. Fan that controlled one. That one was actually interesting. The first season, I mm-hmm. I followed that one until yeah, that, Josh Gordon, you know, wiped one. out the you know the, that one team that I cheered for, and then I was sad. <laughs> I don't even Speaking remember what the name was anymore. 
Yeah, speaking of Josh Gordon. <laughs> another 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 player who's been in the XFL, but then um, it all it all kind of goes back to I do think spring football can work um, based on what the USFL did in the eighties, uh, the original USFL, and I don't think this gets talked about enough because this was a league that produced players like Steve Young. It produced players like Jim Kelly. Produced players like what Reggie White. Um, that's another one. Herschel Walker, another one. Um, produced these huge big name players. Eventually, they failed miserably because they tried to move into the exact time slot they, that the NFL does from fall till winter, and they just imploded after that. But I do think that spring slot can work if done well and with enough resources. And that's why I think this partnership is so interesting to me because both of these leagues were operating well on their own and the fact that they're not competing anymore and actually pooling their resource together um, is really promising. And I don't know about you, Simon, but I'm definitely going to be watching a lot of whatever this new league has come. So, yeah, I I think it's a very interesting idea for sure. I I really think it's going to... If there's ever been a chance in, like, the last 40 years of there being a good spring league... It's probably going to be whatever the combination of these two leagues ends up being. The current rumor, because um, I, I don't know if you read this far in, but uh, earlier this week the USFL filed for 22 trademarks that revealed the National Spring Football League yeah. as a potential new name, which I thought was very interesting considering how very similar that is to the NFL, for one. And two... I just think, I mean, it's not as cool as the USFL, <laughs> that's for sure, or the yeah. XFL for that matter. But I, some, it made me think about this. Maybe they, I think that they, they, what they might be doing is really trying to lean into the idea of being that minor league for the NFL, because yeah. for football we don't really have that. We've never really yeah. had that, at least not for a while. Like, uh, sure, team, sure, leagues have tried to come in, but I think this is a chance for them to really actually have a minor league. And I'm surprised that the NFL isn't interested, because I feel like there's been rumors in the past of I, the I think... XFL and the and other leagues trying to pair, trying to like partner up with the NFL in more of a minor league system, and the NFL turning it down, which surprises me, because I think it's a really good opportunity yeah. for the NFL. And, I mean, there hasn't been that sort of, like, direct communication with it, um, but I do think like NFL teams are taking notice of these players. I look at a guy like Kevontae Turpin, who was a player on, I believe it was the New Jersey Generals in the USFL, um, goes from the USFL, he, I believe he won USFL MVP. Based on that opportunity, he goes to the Dallas Cowboys and immediately goes to the Pro Bowl as a kick returner. People are getting these opportunities. I follow both the USFL and XFL on Instagram because I did I didn't follow along with the USFL as much this year but I follow along um, I watched my Seattle Sea Dragons and my New Orleans Breakers um, the last couple years and there has been a lot of guys who have gotten shots on an NFL roster even if not um, PJ Walker at good one. the PJ Walker is another good one um, even looking at smaller roles look at Brandon Aubrey. Um, yeah. who is a kick, the current kicker for the Dallas Cowboys. I believe he was, I don't remember if he was USFL or XFL, but he came from one of the two leagues. Um, there's a couple of players who are getting these chances, and yeah. I think it's really valuable. Of course. For, um, 
mostly for the players to get their tape out there, um, but also for GMs to see what's out there instead of just um, having to fully bring them into camp, having some actual current film on these guys who are on the outskirts of the roster and can maybe push for a roster spot. Um, I think that's super important, and I think that's why this idea is so appealing. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think this is a really smart move because at the end of the day, if the XFL and USFL decided to keep competing in that spring slot, it probably wasn't going to go anywhere because at the end of the day, both of them are not the leagues that they really want to get rid of or overtake, right? It's not like either of them are their targets. It's more the... And yeah. obviously they probably won't overtake the NFL. Just just, just throwing that out no, there. Just, just to be clear, I'm not saying that. I'm just All I'm saying is that I think that... If they ever had a chance to survive in a market as tough as that spring slot has shown to be, this is their best shot. Yeah, it most definitely is. Um, And it's the kind of thing where if... Now, this is an interesting question. If you're a league like the CFL, this is not good news for you. And because the CFL... Obviously, a long-standing institution, um, but has fallen on troubles, especially with COVID. Um, that tanked a lot of their profits, um, having a few attendance issues with a couple teams, um, notably Edmonton, before they started getting their stuff back on track. Simon, what do you think this news means for the CFL and their future? As weird as it sounds, I think that we're going to see a lot of changes to the minor minor leagues in the fo- in the football world in the next 10 years because i think that maybe this isn't the sign that the cfl's you know over or that the cfl's or anything like that this is i would not say anything like that if we live in a world a year or two from now where this new look xfl usfl officially becomes a minor league for the nfl if that ever happens i think that this we are, we will be living in a world that will be very tough for the CFL to stay in. I think that uh, it would not be unrealistic to say that we that the CFL would have to make a lot of changes to be able to stick around. Yeah. And I think, uh, who knows? Who knows what ends up happening? As somebody, me and you both grew up in Calgary, uh, the Stampeders have been... Obviously, McMahon Stadium, I drive by it every day to go to school and work. Like... Uh, It'd be, it'd be weird. It'd be weird not having a CFL team here. But obviously maybe that we could be living in a world where there won't be a CFL team in Calgary for the first time in yeah. who even knows I, how long. Not quite a – no. I, almost. A, yeah, so yeah almost. the Canadian, has Canadian been a football has been around longer than American football. Yeah, but um, has it been a century? It actually started it off. Uh, it's been at least a century. There's been more than 100 Grey Cups. Um, I don't know how long the Stampeders have been there, but um, – when you look at the CFL, I don't think they're in immediate danger of folding or anything, um, especially because they were able to rebound from their COVID stuff at least a little yeah. bit. Um, but it does definitely scare you a little bit. And I think what the CFL should be more scared of than just folding is being forced to potentially either, A, change their rules, um, because I've there's already been conversations about that, or B changing their rules and then merging another merger with the XFL and USFL. Which I thought was already a conversation at some point about the XFL and CFL teaming up. So it does feel weird that uh, 
who knows? Like I said, maybe in two, three it's years. It's not like the CFL strangers to American teams. They've had American teams. It's true. Who knows what ends up happening? I think it's going to be super interesting to see what happens in the next couple of years. I think, obviously, like you said, the CFLs have been around since, I actually looked it up, 1890s. Yeah. Yeah, with the, the although the stamps have only been around for around 78 years. Which still. <laughs> yeah. Still. Long time. So. Yeah. That's that. It's the, it's the kind of thing that will be very interesting to look at going forward um, for the future of this spring league and also for the future of the CFL. It's a very uncertain time right now. I'm hoping that we end up in a world where the CFL can continue to do what they're doing, but where we also get a consistent spring football presence, um, especially from the slot from March until June when the CFL starts up. I think that is a time that's sorely needed in terms of football, um, and I'm hoping that this is the league that gets that done. And we get football all year, <laughs> if that's the case. Yeah. Be pretty, that'd Which be a pretty neat world. I'm not, I'm not complaining. Yeah. I'm not complaining, man. Who knows? I'm saying who knows a lot. I'm tired. <laughs> well, it couldn't be a trick play episode without at least some kind of NFL recap. I think I would go a little bit crazy if that wasn't the case. Um, so we're going to look at a few key games, a few key moments um, from this week just to kind of give a especially at the it's not technically the quarter point of the season anymore with them expanding the 17 games um but generally after the first month you get a good handle on who these teams are and what they're going to be um and we're going to start out at the bottom of the league probably the biggest tank bowl that we've seen so far um in this season we're looking at broncos bears um i think this game is interesting for a couple reasons one is the fact that Justin Fields played almost, especially after all of the flack that he's gotten, Justin Fields played almost a perfect game. I don't remember what the stat was, but it was crazy. Like His only incompletion up to the third quarter was a Hail Mary attempt, um, and he wow. still lost the game um, just because of how poorly they performed after that. Um, and Justin Fields, obviously, he had the fumble, um, that was returned for the Broncos uh, for a score. And then with that, um, quite, there's a questionable fourth down decision from the Bears. They gave the Broncos the ball back. They kicked the game-winning field goal and win after being down 21. Um, the Bears, that, and like it's been such a disappointing season. Um, questions around fields, questions around Matt Eberflus as the head coach, questions around offensive coordinator Luke Getze. My question is, Simon, how much change can we expect from the Bears in the next few weeks? Um, and what actions do you think they should take? Because that 0-4 is not looking pretty. Yeah, it's definitely a conversation that needs to be had on what they do need to change. I totally agree with you. Because they obviously can't stick with what they're doing. Something has to change. I think that the fact that they have been blaming... A lot of the blame has been on Justin Fields, and not very fairly... I think that if you're going to make a change, obviously, usually when we're this close into the season or we're at this point in the season, usually the conversation becomes who goes first, the coach or the QB. And if I was the Bears, I'm taking Justin Fields. I think that uh, if you're going to make any sort of change, it has to be at 
coach. I think, uh, I mean, I don't know even know what you can do other than that because at the end of the day, Justin Fields, he has a weapon. He has DJ Moore. He has, like, he has all of these things that just hasn't worked yet. And maybe it's scheme. Maybe it's the fact that, I don't know. Who knows? Who, who frankly knows what's wrong with this team? But something obviously needs to change. And I think maybe it starts in the coach in the in that locker room in the coaching room, whatever you want to call it. I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know what I mean. I think that's probably where I'd start. No, I I definitely agree because it's just overall coaching has just been a mess for the Bears. You look at um, I don't even know what happened. Their defensive coordinator rumors he was being investigated by the FBI. Who knows if that was true? But he ended up resigning anyways. Um. And then there's the, been the whole thing that they've bungled with um, Chase Claypool, where they the team told him to sit. They healthy scratched him, um, not only for this game against the Broncos, but for this upcoming game tomorrow against the Commanders. Um, I think it's... And the, the coaching mess up there was that Eberflus said that it was uh, Claypool's decision to sit when... In, it was actually the teams, and he had to come out and issue this huge retractment statement on everything he said. It's just a complete mess over there in Chicago. And I think with everything that Fields showed in that in this game against the Broncos, especially in the first three quarters... Um, Can I share a stat with you? Yeah. That I just read? In its 100-year history in the NFL, the Chicago Bears have never fired a head coach in the middle of the season. Wow. That's so, gonna change. With that's that change. now, you think that's gonna change? Okay, I was about to ask. Oh, it's it's with it's that in mind. Gonna change. You think it's gonna change? Okay, I agree with you. I think that, like I said, if you are thinking of moving fields or making any sort of change over getting rid of Eberflus, you are dumb as a rock because you have something special in Justin Fields. If you think that you can get Caleb Williams, sure, sure. But I still that think was, that, that you're gonna regret. Gonna ask. You're gonna regret getting rid of Justin Fields. If you can get Caleb Williams and Caleb Williams doesn't work out, Justin Fields is going to be a top 10 quarterback. Sure, Caleb Williams has that chance to be the number one guy, and you are taking a risk on that. But are you really willing to do that and just suck for a year just to give up the guy who you already have, who arguably has all of the potential in the world and has shown it? It's, It's a conversation that needs to be had in that Bears locker room. And I don't think that uh, I don't think that going for Caleb Williams in their case is the right decision. I think it's just a waste. Of I season. as good as he'll be. I would generally agree with you, up until the point where you're looking at the Bears and you're bringing the Panthers into it too, because you have to remember that the Panthers hold the Bears, are the pan the, the Bears hold the Panthers pick, and they are both zero and four teams. So their Ooh. chances of actually getting Caleb Williams are double right now. They currently, if the season ended today, they'd hold both one and wow. two. I actually is, forgot that. <laughs> I, ha- I did see that intriguing. before, but thank you for reminding me of that. Um, I think with that in mind, I do so, agree to keep Justin Fields, but I also think, what about this scenario? And we can move on to the next game after this, but what about this scenario? You get... You at this point in the season, it's already pretty much a lost season for them, starting off at one four. You trade Justin Fields before the trade deadline. You trade him to the New York Jets, Ooh. and you get a haul from them. You get a haul from them. Um, and then after you get that haul, 
<laughs> nice. After you get the haul, uh, you turn around, you suck for the rest of the season um, with whoever their backup is. You get the first pick easily, potentially the top two. You start again with the haul you get for Justin Fields and Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. I don't know. If I'm a Bears fan, that sounds very promising. So, I I want to talk about the Jets with Justin Fields. Because that's nuts. That would be a cool team. If they get Justin Fields right now, before the trade deadline, would you put them back in contendership for the yeah. Super Bowl? I would. Yeah. But then what do you do with with Aaron Rodgers? It's, it's not, yeah, it's not a perfect thing because that would... Can you imagine how pissed Aaron Rodgers is at that point? Um, God. He the is, Pat McAfee show would be hell. <laughs> yeah, that it would be insufferable if it's not already. Aaron Rodgers already... Fuck that guy anyways. Um, but... Um, yeah, I, I don't know if it, it's it's a more of a hypothetical than anything because if you get into the details of it with how it would work with Rodgers, I don't think it would work out. But it's it's an option. You can trade fields to one of these teams um, and probably get a lot from him, and that maybe restarts your... Then at that point, I think you fire the coach and GM. You fire Ryan Poles, start anew, find somebody to take picks one and two, and whatever you get from a Justin Fields trade and just reset the franchise... At probably a better point than um, than most franchises can say when they rebuild. Um, True. We'll move on um, to the other game that I wanted to talk about, which is not as much for the game because this game was a blowout, um, but it's Titans yep. Bengals. Um, the Bengals are not great. Into talking about the Bengals. <laughs> oh my God, the Bengals are not great. Um, it's not even the game. The Titans played well. I don't care. The Titans are still not a good team. Um, but uh, the Bengals, what's going on with the Bengals? I don't have an answer for you. Don't have an answer it for you. Is it is wild. I, it is wild. I, 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 don't, I don't It makes no sense. I don't, no Didn't you have them going to the Super Bowl? Did I have them going to the Super Bowl? We probably both had them going to the Super Bowl. It makes no sense. Who cares? Like, at this point, I have completely lost all hope. Uh, the fucking sky's green, grass is blue, who cares? Like, they're not, they're clearly just not good, apparently. That's the lesson. They won't bounce back, they'll never be good. Yeah. Bengals suck, Joe Burrow's a bust. Well, I mean, Joe Burrow, it's just a, it's, it's these preseason injuries, man. It's a, you, yeah, that's you, true. you think Joe Burrow calf injury, and you don't think it's going to be too bad, but it's just clearly just decimated this offense. He can't move in the pocket. He can't do anything. Jamar Chase is coming out in interviews and just, like, going off about how open he is. Um, it's just the, the fact that they're at this point is inconceivable. They have at a game against point, the Cardinals. My question to you is at what point do you sign Colin Kaepernick and let Burroughs just heal his ankle? <laughs> Yeah, I would. I would. Because at this point, like, they just need to let him rest because it's just going to get worse and worse. Like, he already retweaked it in the Baltimore game. I don't know. I heard some, obviously, I'm a big football nerd. 
I listen to a lot of football podcasts, and a common rumbling that I heard about a bu- throughout a bunch of them is just, do the Bengals just bench Joe Burrow for the rest of the season, call it lost, and get a top pick in the draft? Get, like, Brock Bowers as your tight end? Why not? Trade T. Higgins, I've heard. Like, it could be an opportunity for them to reset, but at the same time, with how high the hopes were this season, it's just so disappointing. I think of course it is, yeah. I'm not at that point yet with the Bengals, but I think if they don't win this game against the Cardinals they have up next, which is no guaranteed win. That's no guaranteed win against the Cardinals clearly, at this point in the year. Clearly, I would say that this Cardinals game will probably be the turning point. You go 1-4, and four, you yeah. bench Burrows, in my opinion. I can say, if it his injury is bad enough that it has done the damage that it has already done for this team, I think that it's time to call it. I, If I was the coach, I would have called it already. Making your franchise yeah. quarterback who is already signed to a massive contract play through injury two weeks into the year, not even a week into the not even a week. What am I saying? He got hurt in preseason. Yeah. It's bonkers to me. He shouldn't have been playing at all. I think that, because yeah. think about it like this, Caleb. Imagine if they just sat him the first four weeks magically pull a win out of their ass and they're still one and three and now they have burrows back yeah exactly i don't know i i think they still could have beat the rams with that the offense wasn't what was good about that game it was their defense they won 19 16 burrow wasn't putting up insane numbers he did okay well, that's my know. point right um, like you sign out yeah. you sign a game manager you maybe pull one out you're now you now have a healthy joe burrow to help you dig yourself out of this hole yeah, and at one in three, like I think that the, they could pull it out. However, what you say about I just pulled up their schedule. What you said about them, this Cardinals game being a pivot point, is so true. Because let me list you their next. I'll give you their next five because I think there's a couple teams in there that are sneaky. Their next three is brutal. They've got the Seahawks, who are three and one. They've got the Niners, who are four and zero. Oh. They've got the Bills, who are 3-1, and one, but just blew out a team that scored 70 points. Then you've got the Texans, who are looking way better than anybody thought. Then you've got the Ravens, who have already beat you this season. How many wins at this current Bengals team do you see there? Maybe one. Maybe one. Maybe one or two, depending mm-hmm. on how healthy Joe Burrow is. With how this team looks now, it could obviously change. But with how this team looks now... That is such a rough stretch because even with fully I'm healthy gonna Joe say, Burrow, Niners and Bills is tough. I'm going to say none. I think that they – I think – if I'm being honest with you, I just pulled the plug. Seriously, I cannot emphasize that enough. I just I, – I don't know. Why would you play your franchise player through an injury that could – if he damages it? Because that's – you're not thinking about – they're not thinking about the straight, Right. Joe Burrows gets sacked wrong, damages that, he is forever damaging his career. He could be out next season. Like, that's what happens when you play with an injury, right? That's the difference. He could aggravate it. He could hurt something else. It's stupid. It's frankly a a stupid position. If you are in the Super Bowl, I understand it a little bit more. But he's also not playing well. He just lost 27-3 to a team that is being quarterbacked by Tannehill. Yeah. Bench him. Yeah. I don't really know what they're doing at this point in the season. It's going to be interesting to see how they fare. 
But if they lose this game against the Cardinals, I don't know how you keep him in there. I don't know how you do, under any good conscience. Um, but without, to save the souls of Bengals fans who have probably already gone through enough pain this season, we'll move on. Um, what's our next game? The Rams-Colts. I don't know if we want to talk about this one too long. I think it was one of the best games of the week. Um, it just makes me mad. <laughs> <laughs> it's so infuriating that I'm watching this on Red Zone and I see the Rams jump out to a 23 to nothing lead and my soul just gets sucked out of my body a little bit and I get depressed and then I see the Colts slowly start to come back all the way down from 23 to nothing and I switch it solely over to the Rams Colts game and I see the Colts come all the way back make great plays Anthony Richardson playing amazing you get the two-point conversions, you bring it all the way to overtime, and the Rams get the ball first, and Anthony Richardson never gets the chance to touch the ball again. It's just so infuriating for me on a Rams-hater perspective. Um, I would have loved to see this game with Anthony Richardson getting a chance to have the ball again at least. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't even know where to like go with this game. It's just such a disappointing um result for me and i i don't i don't really know how to take this because i'm the colts are the colts are frisky though the colts are good the colts are good look for them to make some noise yeah for sure i think that they realistically they've got a very explosive offense they can definitely make a lot work if you can because you got to realize as much as you hate the rams as much as i hate the rams you have to admit they are a good team they have built a fairly solid this team this year and we saw a rookie, Anthony, Anthony Richardson, manage to nearly beat them. Hell, if one coin flip difference could be the difference, we could be talking about this game very differently. This could be Anthony Richardson's coming out party. Yeah. Like, and it's all just and, dependent on a coin flip. That's it. Yeah. It's a terrible rule. It's a terrible rule. Yeah, we can have another, it kind of is. We can have an entire segment on that. It's a terrible rule. Um Looking at this Colts schedule, we're gonna we're gonna do another schedule zoom out. Um, as mad as I can get about the Rams, they're better than I thought. It's upsetting that they're two and two, um, but I hope they I hope they lose the rest of the games this this season. Um, but looking at the Colts, because I do think they're what's interesting about this game, especially after coming back from twenty three to nothing, which against any team is impressive. Um, but you look at their upcoming schedule. You've got Titans, Jaguars, Browns, Saints, Panthers, Patriots before the bye week. How many wins do you see there, Simon, out of that six-game stretch? That's a pretty The only one I actually see that's a legitimate loss for them would probably be the Jags. Yeah, I'm thinking the Jags or the Browns, maybe. Oh, I could see the Colts being the Browns. I could see it, too. Hell, if Deshaun Watson plays, I can still see it. Just saying. I can too. I can too. If if Deshaun Watson doesn't play, the Colts are gonna win. If Deshaun Watson plays, I think it'll be a close game, but I can definitely still see them winning. It's a it's the kind of thing where I'm looking ahead. Even the end of the schedule, it's just it's just clear sailing. Bucks, Titans, Bengals, Steelers, Falcons, Raiders. You're gonna have some well, losses in there. But <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Simon, do you think this Colts team is a playoff team at two and two? Looking at that schedule? Yes. In that division, yes. You don't think the Texans are going to have anything to say about that? Or the Jags? 
don't know. Jags might be a little tough, but I don't know. I think they can with how CJ Stroud's playing. I honestly, I think I'm that the AFC South. Even though we thought it was one of the least interesting divisions, I think it's the most interesting division in football right now. Every team is Probably. two and two, and every team other than I think the Titans has a legitimate shot to win it. I don't know, but like you said, My, even the Colts have a legitimate shot to win it. Like, yeah. I fully think that they have just as much of a shot. Maybe not just as much, but they are a very solid team. And I could see them maybe coming back with that with that uh, schedule. They could beat the Jags. They might not be a better team than the Jags, but do the, what's the Jags schedule like for the next little bit? That's a question that I'd have. The Jags are looking at the Jags are a little bit tougher because they won that division, right? They're facing the yeah. Bills in London. Then they got the Colts. Then the Saints, Steelers. Then it gets a little bit rougher with the Niners, Titans, Texans, Bengals, Browns, Ravens, Bucks, Panthers, okay. Titans. That's not nuts either. But I still think that I think it's gonna be close. I think we, that could it's come down close. to Week Seventeen, Week Eighteen. Man, I really love this just because people would always make fun of the AFC South matchups they'd put on Thursday Night Football. This is gonna be good football now. Titans, ti- oh, not yeah. Titans, Te- Texans, Colts is going to be like a legitimate game now. I know um, I know we already had that this season, but I think CJ Stroud is going to keep getting better, and I think that matchup is going to look real interesting by the time we get to, oh, it's week 17. That'll be, that'll be a good game. That might be. What is your, you're looking, what are your thoughts on the Colts replacing their franchise running back with a quarterback <laughs> for running? Well, there's been rumblings that Jonathan Taylor's coming back, so. Is there? Yeah. So you're telling me that Anthony Richardson doesn't need to get any more concussions? I don't know. We'll see how we'll see how willing Jonathan Taylor is. But if you play like you did against the Rams, Jonathan Taylor doesn't have any reason not to come back. So. For sure. We'll, we'll I mean, see, this team. We'll see how this. You put Jonathan Taylor in that offense, and I don't know. Oh, that this, team's this... dangerous. This is going to be such an interesting division because every team has yeah. just played exactly to each other's level. The Jaguars have disappointed, and the Titans, the Texans, and yeah. Colts have have uh, greatly outplayed what we thought they were going to be. Fascinating division. Um, my pick to win it is actually the Texans. I was so impressed with C.J. Stroud. Um, okay. Blew out, blew out the Steelers. Um, That's true. But we he can, has been good. We can, he's been very good. Um, speaking of quarterbacks that were good last week, surprisingly, um, we'll move on to our last game that we're going to look at the Eagles commanders. Now, this was probably, I said the Rams and Colts was the game of the week. I lied. I think this was the game of the week. It was fascinating. Um, back and forth, Sam Howell leading a commander's team that everybody, including, including me, uh, had kind of written off. Um, takes them all the way down the field and ties the game against the Eagles um, with zero seconds left on the clock in the final play of the game. That is the kind of play you see from a veteran quarterback twice his age. Um, Howell's one of the youngest players in the league, um, despite already having a season in the league as a backup. And even with that season, he only started one game. Um so seeing this kind of progression from him is just fascinating, and especially against a team like the Eagles who have a killer defense. And it's another situation where um, 
I, I believe the Commanders did get the ball in overtime. But, um, yeah, because the Eagles kicked the field goal. But I don't know. You give them maybe another shot after that, and they can make something happen with how they were performing at the end of the game. Um, what are your expectations for the Commanders heading down the stretch, especially after they prove themselves against a team like the Eagles like this, even though they lost? I think – well, I – at the start of the season, I – my, one of my shocking shocker picks that I had was saying that they would do pretty well. I still stand by that. I think that they're going to be good. I think I'm going to throw it right back at you. Even despite from everything we've seen. Everything we've seen. Giants haven't necessarily been very good. Cowboys have they've been, been very good at times. They've been very good at times. But they've also struggled at times, obviously, right? We've seen very different things from around this division. Do you think that the Commanders have a chance at potentially stealing a playoff spot? I think... Mm, that's a tough question. A playoff spot is a little bit tough. Um, I'm looking at the rest of this this conference. I think they do, actually. I think yeah. they do. I think it's going to come down, for me, to the last playoff spot. We're looking at how it's sorting out now. We've got... The Eagles, Niners, Bucks, Lions as the division leaders. I think all of that except the Bucks is pretty set in stone as who's going to be the division lead winners. You could maybe throw someone else in there for the E, like swap out Eagles, Cowboys, Niners, Seahawks. It's going to be one of those teams. Eagles, Cowboys, Niners, Seahawks, whichever one of those teams doesn't win the division, they're getting the, the wild card spot. So Seahawks, Cowboys, I think are going to lock up the other two spots. I think that last wild card spot might come down to. Rams commanders, um, both two and two right now. Who? Um, Which team do you like more? Both. No bias. No bias. No bias. Commanders. That's Rams. so Which tough. You like um, because I think it's really hard. Just because it really just comes down, in my opinion, to how high you are on Sam Howell and whether he'll be able to keep up his play. Because at yeah, the end of the day, I, do you like Stafford more than you like? No bias. I think that's the real question. No bias. I do. Um, I think I'm going to say no bias. I'm going to say Rams with a huge caveat that everybody needs to say relatively healthy because that's been their issue, right? Yeah. Stafford gets hurt. Cup gets hurt. But I think they're going to have Cooper Cup coming back. Um, so everybody's focused on Puka Nakua. Now they're going to have to cover him and Cooper Cup, which is just going to be a nightmare. Um, and then you've also got Sean McVay. And you've also, theoretically, I mean, uh, I was going to say you've got an easier schedule in the NFC West, but facing the Niners and Seahawks twice is probably about the same as facing the Eagles and Cowboys twice. Um, I think the Rams just have a little bit of an edge with the extra experience. Um, but I wouldn't I'd say... be shocked if the Commanders make it close, at least. Do they play each other is the question. Yes, they do, week 15. Ooh, That'll be fun. That'll be a, that'll be a good one. Yeah. You know what's We've got not a, a good lot one, of exciting football. <laughs> what is that? You know what's you know not, what's not exciting football? What's not exciting football? Do you know what the Thursday night game is? This week, tomorrow? You said it. I did. I, it's brutal. You did say it. But it won't, no, it'll come to me. I pay attention when we record this. Team it's featured. It's, fe <gasps> it's featured. Oh wait! Whoa! It was Bengals something. Bengals? Nope. No. No. Nope, was not. not? Okay. No clue. Different. <laughs> different garbage team. Um, 
It's um, Bears Commanders. It's Bears Commanders in prime right, time. Yeah. I knew why, I remember. Why, yeah. I don't know why they put that in prime time. They, Who do you I, got? they got these like third. Oh my god. If the Bears Who do you win, got? So I, people watching this will immediately know that you got it wrong. If the Bears if the Bears win this game, I will go jump in the Pacific Ocean. Like I full I just run out into the ocean and keep on going. You can hold me to that. The Bears are not winning this game. Caleb. It'll now be, I gotta if, get if, this out for Thursday morning. <laughs> so that I, I can mean, put if, out that so that we can hold you that. We'll see how it goes. My house isn't that far from the water, Elf. No, it's not going to happen, though. It's not going to happen. Not going to happen? It's not going to happen. You don't, even, you don't even need to worry about that. We'll see what happens. Commanders, commanders by 24. Thank you guys so much for watching the Trick Play podcast this week. Um... It was a good episode this week. Good episode. We covered episode. a lot. We got to all four sports. We're nailing it. If you want to see us nail it more, um, come find us on... I think my camera's glitching out. If you want to see more camera <laughs> glitches, come come to the Trick Play podcast. Oh, yeah. We're on YouTube. We're on TikTok. We're on all the spots. You know where to find us. Um, if you're listening on, on audio and you haven't clued in yet, we are now in the Fresh Take Network, which I've nailed the pointing at this point. Nope, 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 nope. nope. <laughs> Got it. It's, it's, so, it's so difficult, but it there it is. It's right Boom. there. Um, there Not you to go. be confused with them. Um, they suck. Yeah. Yeah, no. That's bad and, and good. Um, find us at the Fresh Take Network if you listen like listening to audio podcasts. Um but other than that, um, you know where to find us at this point. I'll end oh, yeah. the episode with a shout-out. Um, I went back and forth on what I was going to do. But I'm shouting out this week. My shout-out goes to, goes to Benel and Mu- Mucus and Phlegm. Um, <laughs> I have not had a fun week this week. I've been... <laughs> I have never coughed like I've coughed this week. It's been fucking awful. Um, and when it feels like your lungs are about to collapse in on itself, this stuff works pretty darn well. It does. Um, I don't know if it actually works because I'm still feeling a little bit under the weather. So I don't know how, and I'm on this stuff right now, so I don't know how good it actually works. But I showed it out for the hour or so of a relief that I get just because... The taste of it is so strong and nasty that after I get a spoonful of that stuff, I think just the placebo effect of it is so <laughs> strong that I feel fine for at least a little bit. That is completely So that fair. is more than enough for me to shout out Benel and Mucus and Phlegm. So cool. Okay. And for Very my fun. shout out, you, you were the one who brought it up this week, but I, I actually have a story related to it. So when I was, I have to, every week, there for what I'm doing, I'm doing... This is going to take a second to explain because this doesn't sound like regular school at all. I am in school to become a reporter. Reporter, other, technically. And every week I have to put together a, like, it's called a news pack or newscast. Where basically all the top stories of the day, put it, throw it out on the radio for everybody to hear. And no, I won't tell you where you can hear it. And anyway, the I was looking for a final story. And normally you like to put something a little bit more fun to, like, you know, warm people's hearts after talking about all the depressing things that can sometimes be on the news 
And I am not kidding. I It was sandwiched, I believe, on something called The Wire, which I'm not going to waste time getting into what even that is. It's not as cool as it sounds. And uh, on The Wire, it was sandwiched between two very serious news stories. And all of a sudden, I just see... Uh, I think it was like... The, the tagline was like, Wally Gator uh, Service Alligator. And I was like, my jaw dropped. <laughs> I, was, I, took, I took one read of that like news release, and I went, yes, that is my story. And I, I walked up to my news director, who also uh, count, doubles as my like professor, and uh, just went, hear me out. <laughs> hear me out. And showed her the release, and she just went, sure <laughs> and i went live on the radio with it and it is the best story ever if you have time look up wally gator wally gator phillies specifically because that's the new story that came out last week yeah it was incredible i remember the second it came out and it was great it was the best second it made my day because <laughs> that was glorious. incredible it's glorious. i got to end oh that was loud i got to end my newscast with that and it was glorious and if you ever see an alligator in real life go give it a hug official advice from trick play <laughs> with the, with that being said if you take our <laughs> advice as you always should we hope to see you back next week maybe we will maybe we won't maybe in one piece maybe in not Give but Wally way, Gator a hug. Thanks for listening. Maybe don't hug Give Wally either. Gator a hug. Yeah, he just wants oh, a hug, man. Give it a try. <laughs> give it, give a, it try. a try. If you get... Okay, Might no, as well. Say that. If you get a photo of you, you hugging an alligator, <laughs> do not send it to me. Because I don't want to be to responsible us. for that. <laughs> Simon and the, the Trick Play podcast and Simon Shaskovsky does not support hugging alligators. Unless their name is Wally. If their name is Wally, go nuts. Official statement. <laughs> Trick play statements. Let's see. Now we just have to hope to dear lord that people didn't turn off the podcast and that in between those two. Oh my uh, god, if Wally Gator eats someone over the weekend, we are so <laughs> fucked. <laughs> Simon puts this out on Saturday and just has to cut this last segment because... Uh, <laughs> It just comes out Sunday morning. Wally Gear eats an orphanage of children. We're all dead. Trick plays done. Okay. Subscribe and this I will give you episode, this Lego guys. rose. Subscribe. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> there you go. End of there. Watch more trick play. We did. Simon had to sit in a car for eight hours. And if he wasn't driving the entire time. He was making segment videos and shorts for the Instagram. Go watch them. Do it. Go do it. It was great. I'm sure I had a great time.